Welcome to Man on the Clapham Omnibus Sport Review Millwall Special. I'm going to call this one the uh, the tragedy of Millwall because it really is. I went to the game yesterday, Spurs Millwall FA Cup quarter final, and it was an 80s throwback. It had this sort of strange quality of an end of term feeling. Is that it was basically the last ever cup game in White Hart Lane, so. It's the last time the old stadium's going to see a cup game. It was the London Derby. It was Millwall. We hadn't seen Millwall since, I think, 1989-90. And so there was this kind of tension in the air. And obviously there had been a lot before the game about, you know, Millwall upping, trying to get the allocation up by about 900 tickets, which they did. And I think for a lot of people, it, it the way I'd explain sort of, people's reaction to Millwall is that for Spurs it we have yeah every sort of major football club has a, that idiot faction and that for the most part you know for the I'd say 99 times out of 100 they're usually okay you know they sometimes kick off a little bit when you've got a big derby so you know it might add to the tension but for the most part the police have got it under control and and you're never feeling in huge amounts of danger but the Millwall game was just the one where you could clearly see that for a lot of people, this was kind of their last hurrah. Because basically the next time that Tottenham are playing a cup game in Tottenham, you're going to have this huge stadium. It's going to be brand new. And it's just not going to... It's going to look so incongruous if you're trying to sort of lob a bottle of Cronenberg over a fence at someone when you're surrounded by a £750 million building with... You know, a rock climbing centre, a cheese room. It's just going to look a bit... It's going to look a bit ridiculous, more than anything else. And so that's... So it all kind of kicked off, and you could... And there, there was only, let's say, two arrests, so it's not... But there was. it was just that danger in the air, and it was just a, that throwback feel to it, that essentially Millwall, in some way, shape, or form, had basically dragged that small minor idiot minority down to their level and just turned it into like a living museum of the 1980s you know it was almost as if you were walking through it you weren't in it was like you were in a museum you weren't in any real massive danger but you could see what it used to be like when the police didn't have as much technology and didn't have as many numbers and it wasn't as organized so in other words if you did walk down the wrong road it could then just explode without any sort of provocation or warning. So, and but then th what it comes down to is is that y you can treat it almost as if it's just a minor incident. You know, end of term, we all move on because, you know, part of the reason this happened is because Millwall hadn't had a game like this for just years. You know, other than maybe when West Ham went down, but that was slightly different. That was, oh, West Ham are down for a season, we're in the championship. It didn't quite have that edge of an FA Cup quarterfinal, you know, playing Spurs, playing an Arsenal, playing a Chelsea. But then this is where it comes down to it, in terms of, let's say, the future of Millwall. It's like, well, well was it worth it? <laughs> you know, because you looked at the... I think the interesting thing when, you, when I think of FA Cup is when you get these sort of... Mi interesting matchups where there's an edge to it or something different it's like if you watch the the lincoln game you could see the the lincoln end was just 
it was lots of kids and families and all the rest of it. And you got the, the hope that you know, some of those kids would grow up into Lincoln fans and that it would just generally, it was something that was really positive for the area. And just it was a good story that everyone could get behind. The Millwall fan, the, the bits that I saw of the, you know, from the opposite end of the ground and from walking back up the, you know, high road, you know, with the police taking the Millwall fans virtually en masse, was that there was none of that. They were all men, yeah, pretty much uniformly 18 to sort of 55. Probably the, the median, you would say, would be somewhere in the, in the mid-40s. And it was just this... And it, it got that tragedy, because in other words, you didn't think that... You know, what Was it worth it for all of you fellas, because you've gone to this thing, you've done this show of the colours and you know showing them the Millwall hardness... You know, two arrests, minor trouble in the greater scheme of things, but but you've lost six nil, and it's it was hammering. You know they had really at best one sort of chance, but it wasn't much of a chance, and Tottenham were just in control pretty much throughout the whole game, and they they at times they just didn't really move out of second gear, and yet they were still that much better. And this is what it what it comes down to. In a way, Millwall have started getting to the point now where they're marking the years in cup runs. So you've got sort of ninety three, ninety four, when they beat Arsenal, and then Chelsea, and two thousand and four, they get to the final, and now seventeen, they've got to the quarter final. But it becomes ever more far apart. So ninety three to two thousand four, that's about eleven years, and then you've got. Thirteen years from oh four to seventeen, and they're becoming more unlikely. In ninety three, ninety four, they beat Chelsea and Arsenal. Arsenal, obviously, that ninety three. You talk about the turmoil, the end of sort of George, the fag end of George Graham. Yeah, it was it was a surprise, obviously, but not great surprise. Millwall at that time were in Division One. You know the differences and you know in fitness and all the rest of it. It. You know, it could happen. But if you if you think about it, could it happen today as much? No. I mean, is there, is there ever going to be a situation where a team like Millwall would then do Arsenal, then do Chelsea, back-to-back? It just doesn't feel likely. And in 2004, they didn't play any... I don't think they played a premiership team until they got to the final. And then 2004, didn't get a shot on target against United, lost 4-0 and... It was just a non-competition of a final. And now in sort of 2017, you've got these two great, sort of good results against Leicester, who at the time were just falling apart. And it was just the, the time when it pretty much became clear that Ranieri wasn't going to turn it round. And they were just ripe for the taking. And, the, you know, Mill did it in the last minute, but it was at the Den. And then you got the, the game against Watford and... Yeah, Watford at the time were in a bad run of form, and they just didn't turn up. And you know, got it's a classic one where it was going to a replay where you'd have to favour Watford. We all got the late goal, but both times it's at the Den, and both times the pre- the clubs they're not fully as interested. At the time, Leicester have got to stay in the Premier League. They're trying to sort out the the mess of what to do with the Claudio Ranieri situation, and they've also on the flip side of it, they they're in the Champions League latter stages. The cup for them is, you know, if if they can get past Seville, when they've got a great shot now, better than they did when they played the Millwall game, but you can just see the logic behind it. 
you have to stay in the Premier League, and you've got this possibility of a Champions League run. Oh, wait, Millwall isn't really the game that you wanted. <laughs> and you can sort of understand why they got a bit intimidated, and, yeah, Millwall took advantage, but even in the same thing for Watford, is that, you know, they can sit there and say, well, actually, we've now, we're trying to establish ourselves in the Premier League. A cup run at that time isn't the priority. we got to stay in the league. If we can stay in the league, then maybe next year when we're a bit stronger, a bit more confident, yeah, maybe then we can have a cup run. But then you can see that if you're a Millwall fan, yeah, we beat Leicester, we beat Watford. But in the end, they're both Premier League teams. Leicester have just won the league. They're in the Champions League. A few years ago, they were playing you in League One. The same thing with Watford is that they've now re-established themselves. Now they keep going to... They're now a re- relatively solid Premier League team. They've also been to you know cup court semi-finals and the rest of it. But they've moved on. Whereby Millwall sort of stuck in this kind of... You know, it's just the same... You know, it's just, oh, marking the years in cup runs and all the rest of it. And it's just... It's a bit sad. They've they've almost been in some ways left behind. If if you one of the things I found interesting, I mean I think Neil Harris has done a really solid job, you know when he's taken over Millwall. But you know he's got that kind of presence there as a, a Millwall legend, and you know he's obviously probably the and because they don't have a huge budget, but they're still a relatively a big club, and there is potential there. But you look at it and the way the language that he sort of uses when you when you hear him in interviews it's very much like well you know what i need to do we need to establish you know what millwall stand for in other words he was i think one of the terms he used was almost like working class and was all about hard work and intensity and all the rest of it and you, yeah that is obviously a huge part of millwall but at the same time you then maybe juxtaposed it with what neil Ardley, the afc wimbledon manager and obviously, you have to think about it, it's that basically, AFC Wimbledon essentially barely existed in 2004. Millwall at that time were in the cup final and were just on the outskirts of the playoffs for the Division 1 to get into the Premier League. And yet, at this stage now, they're both in the same division. Obviously, AFC are just trying to get themselves settled in a division and then, in two or three years, hopefully, get to the point where they're trying to, you know, get into the championship, establish themselves there. They've got this new stadium that's going to essentially allow the club to really start expanding more aggressively. But the the language he's using is very much, oh, we want to get the right standard of good football, playing the right way, the right sort of players, young players coming through and all the rest of it, so that we can then get the team into the best possible stage for when they do move back to Merton, when they have that whole emotion, and you're going to have 15,000, 20,000 people, and the atmosphere is going to be great. And yet then you look at Millwall and it's far more along the lines of it's almost as if there is a baseline where you have to act and look and be a Millwall player. In other words, you don't, you, they're not created, they're born. But it always seems slightly reductive. In other words, watching the game on Sunday, you just couldn't help but notice that they were triers. But there wasn't a tremendous amount of skill. They didn't look particularly young. They didn't look particularly modern. And that the more pressure that they got put under by Spurs, they were almost they, they didn't they didn't know where to turn. If they stopped stayed still, Tottenham were passing around them, through them, over them. But if they were chasing, then they were just they were unable to to really react. And it's fair enough, they're a, you know, a low budget League One team. But then if you look at it over the past few years, you've had lots of times where League One teams 
have, and even League Two teams, have been able to, at least in certain respects, match a team. In other words, that Millwall against Watford and Leicester were at home, and they were able to use their kind of skill set. <laughs> they were able to fight, make it tough. And yet the second you took the den out of the equation when it's just at White Hart Lane, everything changed. And they weren't able to get anything like the level of purchase into the game. And they just did. They they weren't able to do... The, the comment that I made to the guy I sit next to was like, well, they're no Wickham, are they? And that's not, yeah, it's not, not a compliment. And this is where it gets to the tragedy. It's like, well, theoretically, who are the biggest club never to have been in the Premier League? I think in terms of cities, it's Bristol City. But, you know, Bristol City don't have a great history. They've, they've got something there, and the potential's always been there. And you can say in the early 2000s, they did get to a Division One playoff final. And now they're developing Ashton Gate. They're building the infrastructure they need so that, you know, in the next you know, four or five years, they're going to have a crack at the championship to get into the Premier League and stay there. And yet you're then thinking, well, who else is it? And really, to my mind, it really is Millwall in terms of the history, in terms of the role that the Den played in the creation of British football history and even the, the, the new Den and all the rest of it. And the cultural footprint that it has, where it's like the home record they didn't lose for like a decent amount of the 30s at home. And all the rest of the bits and pieces. And you're thinking, well, why have they never been in the Premier League? And if you look at all the other sort of London clubs, you're saying, well, Charlton had a good 10-year run in it. QPR have had, had you know, runs in it. They, they've managed to get up. You know, obviously, over the last few years, they've been more sort of yo-yo, but they're still getting to the Premier League on a you know, semi-regular basis. And you're thinking, well, OK, West Ham are now moving into a... They've moved into this huge Olympic stadium, which allows the club really to, to grow. You've got Spurs are moving, Chelsea are moving, Arsenal have moved. Even QPR are now trying to leave Loftus Road. And then you've got the Den, and it's... You know, the thing with the Den is it's only about just over three acres, which is actually a very small site, and they've used the space really well to fit a 20,000-seat stadium in it, but the whole point is they can't build anything more. There's, there's, you can't add another tier to it, you can't do anything. The capacity is 20,000, and the facilities are the facilities that they could afford in 1993. They're, they're fine, they're decent, there's nothing ashamed about it, but it's still the location, it's not the most salubrious part, it's not even necessarily the most easiest part of London to get to. And this is where the whole thing is is that comes down to the fans and, and really how they perceive themselves. In other words, there's this whole, oh, no one likes us, we don't care. But at the same time, it's now getting to the point where West Ham have got more people leaving the 70th minute of their games, usually because they're losing or, you know, for whatever reason, or they're, they're, you know, they're more neutrals and they're just going to happily sneak out a bit early to get on the train or go to Westfield or whatever. But they've got more people leaving early than, than are turning up to Millwall. In other words, no one likes to say, we don't care. You just seem to be a shrinking amount of people saying, we don't care. I don't, you know, if, if you're sitting there and thinking, well, actually now, on a Saturday, you can go to West Ham and watch Premier League football in, a, in this Olympic stadium, which has you know, an element of icon. It's not the best stadium for football, but it's cheap. It's just straight on, you know, it's got all the train lines that you could ever want. It's got all the facilities outside in terms of Westfield and that. 
And you can go there. You can get a season ticket. Even if you're not really a huge West Ham fan. Or if you just want to watch a bit of Premier League football. You can do that. You, you know, the tourists are going to White Hot Lane. They're going to Stamford Bridge. They're going to the Emirates. And now they're going to, you know, presumably go to the Olympic Stadium. Well, people aren't going to be going to to Millwall, are they? You know, that's not... You know, it's not the, the welcoming atmosphere. Their, their attendances are poor. Sometimes they're, they're four-figure attendances. They're under 10,000. And you can see why the, the future is, is that, uh, and this is the point, is that you can hammer West Ham, as, you know, and I have done on numerous occasions, saying, well, ah, they've given up their history, but at the same time, they are now building, you know, fans, or at least people turning up to West Ham and paying for the privilege, even if some of these people are leaving early, and, you know, they're not, they, they, they might not stay there if they're relegated, for example, but there's are still people there. Millwall don't seem to have that, and it doesn't look like it's going to change any time soon. In other words, I think the best way of defining it is is that Millwall are are just the past. Their fans were like something out of the 80s. They were all white, burly, strong men who just looked intimidating. The ground is slap-bang in the middle of... Bermondsey, where they're, they're spiritual hon. But there isn't a way to get outside of that. In other words, they're not getting day trippers coming in like West Ham and like the big London clubs. Really, what you have to say is, is that they are, in the way how I defined it, is they're a professional outfit run on the lines of a pub team. They are run, you know, you know, as you have to be local. You have to play in the right Millwall way to get the fans behind you. You know, the fans are mostly people from the local area or people from maybe who've left the local area and then come back to Millwall as a, a way of, you know, keeping with that past tradition, which is where all the London clubs, all the London clubs in certain respects are pub teams writ large or were started out small and then were taken over by people who then turned them into big Outfits. In other words, the per you know the Mears family with Chelsea took Chelsea because they had a ground, gave them the name, the kit, and then realised that if they were successful, the attendances would come, and they've been built. Yeah, you know, same thing with Arsenal. You take them from Woolwich to Finsbury, where there was a huge amount of population. Always going to be a chance for huge amounts of crowds and all the rest of it. But all of all of those teams that I've mentioned have now. Gone po- they're post-community. They're all, they've all got fans all around the country, all around the world. In other words, the, the, the best way of explaining it is, is that if you go to Surbiton on a Saturday and you stand outside the station, you see fans from everywhere. You see Brentford, Fulham, West Ham, Spurs, Arsenal. But they're all going to, you know, whereby you don't see Millwall fans. In other words, they're not getting outsiders. It is... Them, they are a tribe called Millwall, and that's part of the problem. They are just purely community. And if you look at the, the list of the teams who are community in London, you can tell the difference. Leighton Orient are basically a community club. Barnet, AFC Wimbledon, you know, <laughs> Palace, Charlton. But all of, a lot of those, you can always tell who's community. The community ones are the smaller ones, they're the ones in League Two, League One. You know, in some respects struggling so you know, obviously you've got the ownership issues at Charlton 
you know, you, AFC Wimbledon have had the struggle. But then all the ones that are doing better all have something going for them. In other words, Watford, you know, you've got the surrounding Hertfordshire. There aren't that many big teams around. So they've got the town of Watford. And Watford people are proud of Watford, of course. Uh, but they've got the foreign ownership. They're able to get foreign players because their training ground is next door to Arsenal's. It's, you know, you can live in London, you can live in Hertfordshire. Like, even with Palace, they've got that huge kind of catchment area of south-east London. You know, they've, you know they're, they're trying to rebuild the stadium. They're trying to build all the infrastructure bits and pieces so that they can get bigger, so they can stay in the Premier League. Millwall aren't. They're not really in that place where they're able to push on. All they've, I mean, their their sliding doors moment was the two thousand and four FA Cup semi final versus Sunderland. Both of them are Championship outfits, but Millwall win and get to the final, but they're just not able to compete, and they lose, battered by Manu. But Sunderland carry on. They they lose, but they go up. They established themselves in the Premier League and they've been desperately trying to stay there ever since. Millwall, on the other hand, afterwards, they clapped that they were ju- probably ju- either just in the playoffs or just outside, but they had a fixture congestion because of this cup run and they fell apart, didn't get through. And they haven't really been back there since. And that's, that's the, the whole... That's, that's really the, the ball game, is that now they're just a community club there isn't really the ability to expand. And even, I think, probably the, the saddest point is, and that what must be really galling for the Millwall fans, is that they couldn't even sit still. Even if they said, OK, we've got our the, de- the new den, we have our proud tradition, we have our, you know, our symbol of Bermondsey and that part of South East London, but then you had the whole renewal thing. In other words, actually, they were going to get evicted from the, the only other place they've ever known as home whereby all of these other clubs and then this is where it comes into it if you're if you're sitting there going well you know are Watford are Charlton are Crystal are they that much bigger why have they all had Premier League runs why not us why have they never been able to get there and I think this is where where some of the issue really arises is that well since they've got to that cup final AFC and Wimbledon have come out of nowhere. They've even been passed by teams like Burton Albion, who have now got into the championship. Clubs that, you know, Burton Albion in about 2004 were playing Barnet in the conference, and they were minnows in the conference four or five years earlier than that. They were just in virtually the Midland League. And yet they've all, all of these outfits have got, are going to move into grounds or have their own grounds or their managers and they're getting reputations for developing players and getting loan players in from bigger clubs whereby Millwall have none of that it doesn't seem like they're going to get foreign players because I imagine you know the, the problems is is that you'd always be worried that if they weren't M- Millwall tough in other words if they weren't able to get the fans on side they couldn't or they're just unwilling to come. I mean, this is part of the thing, is that Millwall's big day out on Sunday, and yet within 20 minutes they've just basically racially abused Son. And it's just like, well... And the problem is, is that it's it wasn't a minority. It was a huge percent. It was loud. If, you, if I can hear it at the back of the Paxton end, at the other end of the ground, and everyone else in the stadium heard it, then 
that's not just a minority. That is, you know, essentially your hardcore who have, you know, presumably got, you know, I they haven't just given out those three and a half thousand tickets willy-nilly. It's obviously the members, the season ticket holders, that, that you know, you're, you're hardcore, and yet, in their moment, at, they've lost 6-0, they've racially abused the oppo, there's been a huge police operation, all of this violence and negativity that come out of it, and yet they're not going anywhere. In other words, you know, as much as you can celebrate the staying, you know, battling against the council's awful decision and against this offshore company, the reality is, is that it's almost as if those Millwall fans want to keep it as it is. There isn't this desire to say, well, actually, we'd rather give up the new den, move somewhere, let's say, just outside of London, maybe in the sort of Kent borderlands, where there is this huge population a lot of them would have ties to the East End, who would know the Millwall kind of brand. And it would be slightly detoxified, I suppose, leaving Bermondsey. And then you'd have the opportunity to, let's say you build a 30,000 30, seat stadium, so then you can get the fans in. You can then start attracting players. You say, well, you can deliver just outside of London, in Kent and all the rest of it. And then you can start, because they, they, there is the capacity there, on some level, to go better to get into the Premier League but it just doesn't seem to be that way for West for, for Millwall there doesn't seem to be that undercurrent of desire it just does seem like they're actually quite happy to have these little cup runs every sort of 10 years the odd League One playoff final so that they can go up to the championship for a bit and then come down again and then back up and it doesn't seem to be such a NUI. There doesn't seem to be a great deal of sadness about that in the way that the, the sadness about Charlton, that you can just permeate the club. You can just see that those fans are like, well, we were in the Premiership for 10 years. Just before the money really started to kick in, we went down and it's never been the same. And now we've got this you know, foreign owner that is ambitious in certain respects, and just massively incompetent in every other thing. So that he, the more he wants to take the club on, the more the worse it gets. But there doesn't seem to be that with Millwall. There just seems to be, well, they're, they're old football. Their fans have that old mentality. You go, you try and take pubs. You 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 go there. You scream. You know, you make a lot of noise and you get up in everybody's face. But you're not actually competitive on the pitch. There, there isn't that, you know, in other words, they'd rather have Neil Harris, what the Millwall legend, in charge, but just be on the outskirts of the League One playoffs than it would be saying, OK, move you to Kent, but, and then start trying to get into the Premier League, trying to, to build some a future. It seems to be very much cup runs. Millwall legend, the playing the way that the, 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 this hardcore want, not particularly wanting to things to change. In other words, the sort of decision making. Like one of the, the key elements is, is that there's obviously not wanting to leave Bermondsey, which I get from a historical standpoint. But then if you look at it, the post community clubs have to do that. So, in other words, to get big. So, West Ham realised that Upton Park was a perfectly acceptable ground, but it could only really sustain them lower mid-table, with these occasional relegations, which just were just soul-destroying for them because there was always a possibility that you might lose a player final, then you'd have to spend another year there, or that any sort of talented outfit... In other words, when they went down with 43 points, 
you know, they lost Carrick eventually, they lost Defoe, they lost Johnson, Joan Colt. They just lost this huge amount of talent that could have been the next great West Ham team. And I think every other desire after that has been we never want to be able we never want to lose that sort of talent ever again. Which is sort of why they've ended up having to leave Ken's Cafe. They've had to leave Upton Park and all of that history and Green Street and all the rest of it to move to the Olympic Stadium and become slightly more franchisey. In other words, they have to put they put London on the crest because what they were trying to do, they're trying to get more people in. In other words, they had quite a big tribe, but they needed they wanted more people because if you get fifty thousand in, sixty thousand, then you've got this this ability to attract better players, to really try and establish yourself. Even if that means you lose a bit of the, the West Ham way, the the idea is that you then it's not just everyone in that surrounding postcode, you get outsiders coming in. Some of them may become super West Ham fans. They might become just even casual fans. But they're just still turning up. Where Millwall, it isn't that attitude. It is the exact opposite. It's, no, we just want to be our small little group. And that's, and it's interesting. But it's also sad because at the same time, you know, if you look at Chelsea... Moving from Stamford Bridge would be a huge... I mean, they've been there over 100 years. The whole... You know, they Stamford Bridge was built before Chelsea. And yet, they there was nowhere near the same level of issues. Especially if you look at the history of Stamford Bridge, where it was always that fear that somebody would take the ground. And that they had to fight throughout the 80s and 90s to get it back. And then it had, it's, it's got to be owned by the fans to protect the club, you know, from its biggest asset, which was the stadium at the time. And yet, they're able to essentially discuss moving to Battersea without it being an issue. Because, in effect, Chelsea will be Chelsea if it's that side of the river or the other side or somewhere else at Ells Court. Because, actually, the club have got so big, the stadium needs to be 60,000 plus. Because Chelsea are not only a London club, they're now an international club. But there's not even that possibility that even being discussed sort of by Millwall it's it has to be done in the old way which then means that well where do you go in terms of a future <laughs> you know because all of it seems that you know are, how happy are you to watch someone like AFC Wimbledon get into the Premier League which is a possibility in the next 10-15 years and that's what I find sad about it but it it seems to be that that community just doesn't have the same level of... It's almost as if Mills become somewhat symbolic of old football. And yeah, there are good things about it. I mean, the atmosphere at the lane was probably better than a lot of other cup games I've been to because there was just that extra charge in the stands that it was Mill. But in the end... The, the, having that many police, so you've got like 70 police vans, hundreds of riot police, a helicopter, the dog squad, and it's just like, well, that's just not worth it when it's a 6-0 cup game, when the oppo just aren't able to, in any way, shape or form, compete, when you have to, you know, I, I'd missed the first three minutes of the game because they had to let all the Millwall fans in single file and then protect... It from turning into a riot. In the end, we had to. Everyone had to be marched up the high road, being stopped here and there by the riot police and all the rest of it to try and stop their 
being any kind of build-up of people. And the person next to me got sort of hit by a coin that someone had lobbed from the mill wall over a police van. And in the end, as as much as the... I think the, the end point I said to the person sitting next to me was, well, they're a lovely community club with all this wonderful spirit and history, but... Oh, but you have to forget the 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 racism, the violence, the tension, and, and all the effort that had to go in for it not... And yet it was still the photos of the... Yeah, all of the, the arrests. Well, even though there was only two arrests, but there could have been a lot more if the police had wanted to. And watching that Spurs fan get punched out. And it's almost what I want to say is that... It's just, it isn't worth having that history still there. And and you, you just hope for the future. Because in the end, it, there doesn't seem to be much of a future. If they stay at the den, I can't see how they're able really to function much more above a League 1 level. And if they then drop into League 2, where do you go from there? I mean... I think the, the 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 example is is that look how long Fulham spent in the fourth division, you know, in Division Three as it was known then, and really if they hadn't essentially been taken over by Muhammad Al Fayed, if he hadn't put in all of that money, would they still be there now? Would they still would they be between League Two and League One like Leighton Orient? I mean, even Leon Orient were literally a penalty shootout away from getting to the championship. And they have that stadium that they could develop and they had a hotel. Whereby, what you're left with Millwall is, there's none of that. <laughs> and yet, so where where do they go? Because I don't see, I mean, they've got the, their owner is an American billionaire. But really, you you just think, well, if they eventually have to leave the new den... What will happen? Will will they lose that that heart? That that will they lose that heart of of those fans? Will will they will they be willing to leave the history, the new den, the den, and everything that that it stands for? And in terms of the idea that, in some ways, it's almost a bit easier to be Millwall in League One than it would be in the Premier League because in the Premier League you have such it's it's a it's a goldfish bowl. Every single game is televised around the world. There would be no hiding place, you know, if there was more racism or attacks in the stand or, you know, away fans being abused in going to the new den. There would be no hiding place and the FA would then have to act. So this is, it's almost on that knife edge of, are those people that attached to their idea of Millwall the cup mill, the old school mill, that actually, even if they did move, if they did then try and get to Kent, would they, would those people abandon it? And then would they then be almost a little bit like, you know, when Coventry were playing in Northampton and they just, there wasn't the fans there. It's a bit like when Wimbledon went to Selhurst Park and just, they got 3,000 for a game against Everton. And it's all... And it's an interesting one, because in the end, it just comes down to, you know, who will take them on? In other words, can, you know, this American billionaire, John Berylson, you know, does he have the, the desire? And do, you know, the, the wider Millwall fans want to give up this history for the, the chance of, an, of a future 
where they're not just the pariah club, where they, you know, they get these cup runs and they go there and they almost have to act out a little bit like, you know, the sort of some kind of hell's angel run where everyone, I mean, it was amazing seeing the amount of people in Tottenham who are just locals, who were just flabbergasted by what was happening. They were just looking out of their windows in a way that you've never seen it before, ever, in any sort of game, even some of the big Spurs-Arsenal games I've been to. And that's just just the power of the name Millwall. But in the end, that's in the end of becoming almost a parody. As if, like, oh, yeah, this, that's the one club in the 92 Football League teams that never left the 80s. And almost as if it's a little bit like a freak show. Like, oh, my God, they are literally looking like... 2,000 people being marched down the road looking like something out of a Guy Ritchie hooligan film. And that's it. It is. It just is a tragedy because there is this future. There is this potential where there could be Millwall that has 35,000 people and there could be the, the Kent Den, if you want to call it that, where you'd have that atmosphere that Millwall can produce because it has this history. But it would be non-racist. It would just be a tough place to go and get a result rather than being the sense that actually you could, if, if you turn the wrong way down the road, or you might be actually at a football game in 2017 hearing just racial abuse. It was just shocking to when they were abusing Son, and it carried on for five minutes. It wasn't isolated. It wasn't, you couldn't even really call it banter. It was just flat-out wrong. And so I, I want to end, though, on a, on a sort of much more positive note, because really what thinking about the, the concept of sort of communities and all the rest of it, is that even after all the negative things that happen, there's still a possibility that they could do it. And that it, and you want it to be for the right reasons. You want it to be because they've got young players coming through, that they've got you know, a, a progressive manager, and that eventually, in the end, they, they stand for more than being what they were, and more for what they could be in the future. 